Welcome to the Victorious Souls Podcast with self-love coach, Danielle Burnock. Things happen in our lives that make us feel powerless. But Danielle believes that anyone can become a victorious soul by reclaiming what belongs to them, their value, their belovedness, and their God-given superpower. The Victorious Souls Podcast is dedicated to empowering you to rise up, reclaim, and embrace the change from survive to thrive as a victorious soul through the power of love. And now, here's that lady on the internet who loves you, Danielle. Hello and welcome to my live interview today for the Victorious Souls podcast. Today, I have a lady named Tess Scott who has survived multiple divorces and cancer and is remarried with a blended family. And she is here to share her story and her wisdom and her new book. Listen, sister. So I'm going to invite her in here to share her story with you. And for those of you who don't know me, I'm Danielle Burnack from DanielleBurnack.com. Love yourself from Survive to Thrive, that lady on the internet who loves you. And so welcome with me today, Tess Scott. Thank you, Tess, for being with me today. Hey, thanks, Danielle. So I told them that you have survived multiple divorces and cancer. But before we get into all of that and your amazing book, Listen, Sister, that's new this year, uh, share with us a little bit about Tess and what was like to grow up. What was your life like before all of what you call the freak show? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it seems like it's been a freak show for a long time. So that's that's difficult. But um, I grew up in Ontario. I, I live in Sarnia now. I grew up outside of Watford, a little town um, on in the country on a farm. Um, I'm the oldest and I have three younger brothers and uh, we lived a couple miles from town so it was far to go to a friend's house we kind of just hung out with each other mostly um, and unless our parents were willing to drive and find us a friend you know so your brothers have to be your friends even though they're really lame and <laughs> but, but we had we had lots of fun yeah it was good it was good and um and we went to a you know local school went on the bus and just I don't know it seems like a normal life to me because that was my life yeah. And uh, as a teenager, um, well, I applied to college, was accepted in college, and then I got pregnant at 19. So in the 80s, when you got pregnant, um, you got married. I mean, that was just the thing. That's just the way the world where I lived in anyways. <laughs> that's what was done. So I did. So I didn't go to college. I got married. Um I had a baby boy who I love dearly. He's 37 now, believe it or not. And I can't believe it because I think I'm 37. So um, I, <laughs> I understand <laughs> that. <laughs> I'm not apparently because he is. So yeah, when we were younger, we looked at people older and yes. we just saw they were older. But now that we're older, we're going, I still feel like that. I know. 57 seems like so old and it's got a lot younger lately. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So I was um, married to his dad for a couple of years. And then, I mean, I clearly was not old enough, mature enough to be married and that married marriage ended 
was divorced, sadly. And then a couple of years later, I got married again and I was married for some years and 10 years, I think, had um, three more boys, adopted a boy with special needs and that marriage ended. And it was just, it felt very like it was this circle, like this cycle continually. As I look back, I can see it. But when you're in the middle of it, you know, when every day you're just trying to survive, (laughs) it feels like it's hard to see what maybe is easier for other people to see. I don't know. I wouldn't have listened to them anyway. Um, but looking back, <laughs> thank you for your like, honesty there. <laughs> totally honest. Always totally honest. I did not listen to anyone who told me. Um, yeah. So that also ended in divorce. And then I married my husband, Rick. And um, he came to the marriage with two kids. So that gave us seven, which is an odd number. I mean, who wants to have an odd number of kids? So I got, again, I got pregnant. And uh, so that made eight boys. And our oldest son, my oldest son was 18 when my youngest son was born. So quite a spread, but eight eight boys. And it was a freak show. I mean, that house full, like we had five teenager boys at the same time. And like the amount of milk, Danielle, we could have kept a cow going. I'm sure of it. Like we went through (laughs) so much milk. It was crazy and a lot of shenanigans and um, a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun and a lot of things that weren't fun, (laughs) you know, like some of our boys struggled with addiction. Um, We had, we found out that our adopted son has FASD and fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. And that in itself is a whole world of struggle, you know, for him and for people who love him. And there was, it wasn't all fun. You know, I mean, I can, I think looking back, you can always choose what you're going to look at it as and I see tons of fun times we played board games like every night and you know we had the best of times but we also had some really crappy times you know if I'm honest but we made it through and I was really I was I was following the Lord I was like in Bible study I was leading a a girls group um you know everything I thought was going along you know skippity boo there and although (laughs) well Things weren't perfect. Okay. Nothing. It wasn't perfect. I'm I wasn't naive to think that things were perfect in my marriage, but there was so many other distractions going on as well. Like the struggles that I spoke about with our kids Mm -hmm. that I wasn't, um, it kind of took me, I kind of was blindsided, I guess. Um, when my husband came to me and said that he was leaving that, you know, he didn't love me. He wasn't happy and he was out. And I was like, I was shocked. I was so shocked. And uh, yeah, like, like I said, I wasn't, I was not foolishly thinking everything was perfect. I just thought, okay, we've been through these things for so many years. I mean, come on. So I begged God to not let that happen. I didn't want to be alone again. I didn't want to parent alone. I didn't want my kids to go through this again, yeah. you know? Um, and there's still some shame in in the church. And, and I was not a perfect, a perfect wife either. I'm not, I'm not giving all the blame to him. You know, there's always both or most often always probably both sides. Always. I would say always, (laughs) I would say always, right? Like it wasn't an abusive situation in any way, not that kind of thing. Um, so I begged God and I always say that I spent like 
weeks with my head in the green carpet of my bedroom, just like crying and crying and crying and begging God, like, don't let this happen. Don't let this happen. Like, I know you can pull this off. I knew God can do a miracle. God can, like, he can always do a miracle. Like he can raise the dead. It's the same God, you know? And I believed 100% that he could do it. And he didn't, you know, he chose not to. And Rick walked out and we, yeah. And then after a year, I came to him and said, like, I really want to like get back together or like work on this. Are you willing? And he said, no. And we got divorced and it felt like it felt terrible. It was so hopeless. It felt so hopeless, you know, and, but I can say looking back because a lot of times we can understand maybe why things happened or see different things in things that happened, not at the time, mm-hmm. not when we're in the darkness, right? Not yeah. when we're with our face smushed in the green shag carpet, not at that time. <laughs> you can only but, see green shag carpet. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It was really green, but later, right? Sometimes later looking back, we can see, and I can tell you that that time what seemed like the worst time brought me the closest to God I've ever been because I felt like I needed him to breathe. Like, honestly, it was just that terrible. And we were divorced for three years and then God reconciled our relationship. So it happened. It was, it was really weird. So my husband is not um, a yeller ever or a fighter. He's an avoider. So he just wouldn't answer me if I texted him something. It just would go unread, you know, like he's more like um, passive aggressive, let's say. Yeah, I would say that even if he was in the room. Yeah, you are passive aggressive, but he's not here. <laughs> so I'm not talking behind his back or anything. He knows all these things I'm going to say. So he um, he would just not answer me. And then he just he started um, answering or saying something about our son you know, um, are you going to the basketball game or, you know, things like that. And then, um, I asked him to pick him up early because I had to get the tires changed or something, you know, um, Ontario weather. And, and he (laughs) said, um, oh, I can give you a ride. And I thought you're going to give me a ride, like in your vehicle. Okay. This is weird. You know, we're going to share like space. We're going to share like, okay. You know, and I can tell you that for those three years, four years, five years, I prayed daily like that. God would change his heart. Like I loved him so much. I just, I knew that God could do it, but I didn't know if he would do it because it's not always best for me. Mm -hmm. Right. I think I know. And I tell God what I want him to do. And I sometimes give him ways to do it because he needs my help. Oh, he doesn't, but I think (laughs) like you're dealing with people too. You know, it's it's not like we're puppets. God doesn't, we can't know just changes the person Ta-da, now I will now maybe aim like this it's not like that so you have to have a willing participant yes that is true that is true anyway he asked me to go out for dinner and um yeah he asked for forgiveness he went through a whole like a big conversation about everything and just asked to be in my life to just date to just be in my life with uh yeah And so I said, yes, we'll give it a try. And that's all I can promise you. And so, yeah. You had eight kids. Did you have custody of all eight of them? Or did he have some and you had some? Well, we only had one together. Right. Right. So, and the oldest ones were um, 
like my 18, well, when he was in his twenties by then he had oh, kids, okay. right? So the kids were older. Um, I only had uh, two at home. Well, three, one was in college and then my special needs son and then our son together at home. And yeah, we shared with, we, we never fought. We didn't even fight in like custody or um, like a separation agreement, you know, it, like there was no fighting. There was never, which probably made it easier to get back together. Mm. Right. We had the same lawyer. We said, this is how we're going to do it. And we both signed it. Like everything was nice. Like, which is weird. I know it sounds weird, but there was no, um, yeah, it was just, it was just weird, but I can say now, not that I ever wanted to happen again, but I'm thankful for that time. Like I said, because it forced me to realize why do you believe what you believe is God even is God still God. If he doesn't do what I want, Right. I had to come to that point. What if God never reconciles my marriage? Is he still God? Is he still good? Does he still love me? Those are all the things that I needed to wrestle with for those years and did. And I'm thankful for that time. And now we are married again, you know, so I'm, I'm like over the, over the top thankful for that. We got married on September 9th of 2016 and we just went to the pastor's office in the church because, you know, your fourth wedding, you don't have a big extravagant affair, I find. Um, so we just <laughs> went just like four or five of us and uh, and got married and came home and called our kids and said, hey, guess what? We got married. And yeah, so it was lovely. How did the kids feel about it? Yeah, they were they were happy. They were shocked when we started dating. I mean, we dated for the whole we dated from May the 4th until September. Um, we didn't live together. We lived apart and, you know, came together after we got married, we're going to do it right this time. And, um, yeah, they were, they were all happy. Yeah. I think they were shocked when we started dating though. Yeah. Wow. And then you got married and then something else happened. Then then the cancer happened. What happened there? Tell us that story. Yeah. So we got married on September the 9th, like I said, and planning on having a honeymoon and, you know, like you're just thinking all these wonderful things. And we're finally um, back together again. And now the angels can start singing (laughs) and we get the happily ever after part, right? That's right. This is where the storybook happens, right? Sure. Sure. Wait a minute. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But what happened was I had just a um, regular mammogram on September 30th, and it came back that I had breast cancer. Um, So instead of the first year of our marriage being a lovely honeymoon and all of those things, it was a mastectomy and chemo and radiation and Herceptin and trips to the um, hospital, the cancer hospital is about an hour from here and all that. So, you know, that was really disappointing. And I can tell you that I told God on many occasions that I was disappointed and that it was the worst timing, the worst timing, because I was actually angry for a little while because I thought, man, I finally have a husband again, you know, and I can have this great year. My expectations were like, I'm going to have this great, everything's going to be perfect. You know, our son's doing way better. We're together. We're parenting together, all these things. And then I don't know. It was, it was really difficult to cope with that at first, because I guess it was my expectations were kind of dashed, you know? Um, But what I learned, and again, it says in the Bible that hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. mm -hmm. I mean, it really is. That's, you had this great big hope and it's like you got shoved under the water. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. And held under there for a little while. Yeah. But, <laughs> Gasping but, for air. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But what I learned, and like I said earlier, like I didn't learn it in the dark time. And there was a dark time when, it, when it felt terrible. And, and I can say that, like, I remember coming to my husband and just bawling. I mean, the poor guy, you know, and saying like, I just like you thought when you married me that you didn't know that I was going to have a mastectomy. You didn't know that I was going to have chemo and lose my hair. I don't look great with no hair. I mean, it's not nice. And you didn't <laughs> know that I was going to be sick to my stomach and, you know, all, all these things. And he said, you know what I knew? I knew when I married you that we're going to be married until one of us dies till the end of our life. That what that uh, we're getting older. We're in our fifties. and someday someone is probably going to have to take care of the other one. And that's what I'm in for. Whatever that is, I love you. Wow. You know, and it, that was a gift to me, Danielle. Oh yeah. That was a gift. That was a gift. And so I'm thankful for that timing that I thought was the worst timing. And I complained was the worst timing to God. And what he taught me in that time that I learned later was that that timing allowed my husband to take care of me, to show he loved me. I had no choice but to allow him to do that because I needed the help. I needed him to help me wash my hair and, you know, help me when I'm sick. And, you know, he made me tea and brought it to the couch and all those things. He looked after the house and the family and the kid, you know, our son and the kid um, and all of that. And it, it allowed me or it allowed him to be able to do that. And it allowed our other kids, our older children to be able to see like, look, dad's in it. He's here. He's not going anywhere. You know, it just cemented in our minds that like, this is it. This is he's in, you know, it was, it was really, the timing was really the best timing. Now, had it been different, let's say if we play with this, like I got sick and he heard, Oh, Tess has cancer. I'm going to come back. So, you know, Amy calls me up and says, I heard you had breast cancer and I want to get back together. Uh, no, <laughs> there is no way I would ever have said okay to that. I couldn't have trusted him. I would have thought yeah. that's the only reason, you know? So in the end, it was the best timing at the time. It was crappy. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm not making light of it or saying it was fun or anything, but I'm saying that later sometimes later we can look back on hard times and see that there was a gift there in that suffering and yeah. you know so that's that's hope that's hope for the future that we can encourage other women and i can come along other women that i know who have cancer specifically breast cancer and say like these are the things this is the, this is how it happened for me. Some things are the same as you. Some things are different from you. How can I encourage you? How can I come alongside you um, physically, like bring meals or, you know, how can I pray with you? How can I, my husband, encourage your husband? And, and that's always good. It's, it's nice to have someone who has been there before you mm -hmm. to walk alongside you. It that's, it's different. Like my friends, I have friends who were there for me, like all the time. I have one specific friend who had breast cancer five years before me. Her name's Annette and she's lovely. And she showed up at my door the day I came home from the hospital um, after the mastectomy. And by the way, they keep you in, like I had it at noon and I was out of that hospital at four o'clock. 
like in and out, out you go, out you go, out you go. It's crazy. Anyway, that is my husband crazy. was there. That's such a life altering. I know. Thing. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he, my husband brought me home. See, he drove. It's good. I didn't have to drive home. So that's good. It just seems crazy. But, um, but I was fine. Anyways, uh, my friend Annette showed up at the door and she had this package, you know, we opened up this box and it has cupcakes and every cupcake it's pink and it has a little um, red jelly bean on the top. And it looks like a little breast, like all these little boobs in this, in this box, <laughs> which, and we just, you know, I laughed, but nobody else could have done that. Right. You uh -huh. couldn't have brought me that, but yeah. she's been there. Right. Yeah. So she can do that. Yeah. And, and we can come alongside people, no matter what we've been through. If, you know, if they, if they're going through something that we've already been through, it just means something a little bit extra to say, I've been there too. Not exactly the same exact journey right. as you're on, but I've got, I got through it and there's hope and yeah. God will give you peace in the midst of it, you know, and that is really a gift. Yeah. And something I'm just seeing like unfold as I'm listening to you, having gone through those marriages and divorces multiple times, and then your husband saying what he said about, you know, I'm here till one of us dies mm -hmm. and your kids watching that, you know, that's really the way God designed marriage to be. If we do it the way he designs it because mm -hmm. he designs everything great if we would listen to him. And, <laughs> but you know, one of the parts of the traditional vow is in sickness and in health. And I had interviewed another lady for my podcast here and she took care of her husband. And it was that same premise. It's like, I, I signed on mm -hmm. till death do us part. And for your kids to see how you had been through that not happening and then seeing it happen, that's just a beautiful unveiling mm -hmm. for them to see that that can be a thing. Yeah. I mean, that is a vow that can be acted upon. It's not impossible. I think some people, they maybe they don't do those vows because they think they're impossible, mm -hmm. but they're not. They're just hard. <laughs> mm -hmm. yes. They are hard. But you know, yeah. your husband is just demonstrating that. And that's just beautiful that your kids get to witness that. See, that mm -hmm. that can happen till death do us part. We're committed to each other through that. And I see what you mean about the timing thing. If you would have came back after, it'd be, hey, you're just feeling sorry for me. There's not, mm -hmm. there wouldn't, it wouldn't convey that committed love, like what he did, did commit, um, convey mm -hmm. that that committed love. I I'm here for the long haul. I'm, I'm just, I'm in it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, so that's just wonderful. That's beautiful. And I just wanted to pause and just really highlight that also for our listeners, for them to not just gloss over that, to see the comparison of that not taking place and then it taking place. And so you, you get to be like an illustration of mm -hmm. <clears throat> people think it's not possible, but look at it is. And now yeah. you get to taste that. And that's, such, I'm so happy for you. <laughs> oh, so I'm so thankful. And like I said, I, I knew God could do it. Mm -hmm. You know, I always knew he could, but I didn't know if he would. Yeah. Right? But like I said, you need a willing participant. Your husband had yeah. to, he had to choose mm -hmm. to sign on for that. And you had to choose to let him. Yeah. Am I going to let him come back? I was hurt when he left before. I mean, there's a lot of, oh yeah, we're a part of it. It's not like, you know, we're little puppets. So it's. Yeah, it's, it's what that's where it gets complicated because humans are yeah. complicated people. 
Yeah. And it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy getting back together. It wasn't because it's never like you open that door and then everything that happened is just gone. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we had to work through a lot of things like months and months of talking. And he, he made great. Um, he was amazing. I mean, he said, you can ask me anything about anything and I will always tell you the truth. Um, and maybe I didn't always want to hear it, you know, but I needed to, you know, those okay. kinds of things. And like I said, it wasn't all his fault. Right. And, and right. my relation, my other marriages weren't all my partner's fault. Like I sometimes more my fault than anybody's. Um, but like you said, we know that God can do this. Like we can be married until death do we part. And I think sometimes people go into marriage like I did with this expectation that everything is going to always be perfect. And if it's not, then I'm out of here. But we need to just maybe tread water sometimes because, you know, there's going to be days you're not even going to like him. That's just part of it. We're human beings. There's going to be days he's not going to like you. You know, there's days um, we don't like ourselves. There's days we don't, we need to let them be a human being and hello, there's hormones like that's not really fun, you know? (laughs) So (laughs) let's be honest here. I don't even like them. So, um, but, but if you expect that you're going to marry somebody and every day is going to be like your wedding day was, or less, but a little bit less stressful, then that's not realistic. That's just not going to happen. So, you know, just move on, not move on in a marriage, but move on to to, to day two and day three and and tread water and, you know, do what you can do, go to counseling, whatever it is, um, and love that person. And, and it can work. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you mentor ladies and you do speaking and stuff. What do you uh, share with us a little bit about that? How, How did that unveil and what all do you do? Yeah. So, well, I knew that I felt really strongly that God wanted me to share my story, you know, the whole freak show life. And I didn't know what that would look like, you know, I, I, but I knew, I mean, I wish that God would just like announce it in the sky, maybe, or you're not alone um, with that, but he doesn't, no, he doesn't send me an email. I've often asked for a text message. So I mean, <laughs> none of that happens, none of that happens, but you know, you know, when you know that God's talking to you and, and you read it, when you're reading your Bible, you, you kind of know it, or, you know, you're at church and then the pastor says the same thing. And then you're on the way home from church and the song comes on the radio and it's like, Tess, listen to me. And so, you know, that God, that's what God's saying, whatever that looked like. But I really didn't want to do it, Danielle, because I it's really, it's really vulnerable and it's really terrifying to share your life, the reality of your screw-ups, the reality of um what you really like or were like. And sharing that is is hard. You know, it's it's hard being honest and vulnerable. So I said to God, okay, someday. And I just went on with life, you know, um, and I was working at a college and at the fire school, every girl's dream. And, and, um, I was getting ready for work in the morning and I was putting on my makeup and I noticed that my mouth was like crooked, you know, like one side's up, one side's down. Like, and, uh, I thought that looks really whacked. So I just kept putting on my makeup and I went to work and, uh, opened the door. Cause I had to be there first, you know, open the door and let the students in and do all of those things. And my boss came in and said, what's wrong with your face? (laughs) That's a fun thing to hear. (laughs) No woman wants to hear that. Let me tell you. So I went to, I went to emerge and they start doing all these tests and they call my husband to come in and they said, you know, you might be having a stroke. And by the time my husband arrived, um, my words were all garbled up and my vision was all blurry. And 
And they, um, so I stayed in for three days, which is a long time to stay in a hospital these days, three days. Mm -hmm. And they ran a bunch of tests and they said it wasn't a stroke. It was a TIA, right? So transient ischemic attack, like a temporary disruption in the blood flow to the brain with Mm -hmm. no long lasting effects. Like kind of like a little little warning, you know, just a little thing, just a little thing. So um, I came home and I said to my husband, I am so thankful that it was a false alarm right? Like it was a false alarm. Thank you, God. And my husband looked at me and he said, was it Tess? Was it a false alarm? (laughs) I still remember him saying that. And uh, he said, or maybe it was a real alarm because you know what God is asking you to do. And every one of us only has so many days on this earth. And you don't know what that number is. Might be a really big number and it might be a really small number right? And you know what God's asking you to do. And I think you need to get to it and start doing it. So he said, I want you to consider quitting your job. I'll work 10 years longer and, you know, to retirement and quit your job and, um, or consider it. I mean, he didn't make me do it. And, uh, you know, I mean, I want to just pause and back that up there. Yeah. I want people to hear that. I want you to quit your job and I'll work 10 years longer. Yeah. I mean, that's powerful. That's enormous. It is enormous. It is enormous. You're right. Yeah. And uh, so like, I loved that job. <laughs> I just have to tell you, I love that job. I miss it because I miss seeing people all the time. Anyway, it was amazing and cry. So um, I went into back into work and I told my boss, I'm, I'm going to quit. I'm going to retire. And he said at the end of the year, and I said, no, like in a couple of weeks. Um, so I did, I, I quit my job and that was April of 2021. And um, started working on my book that I had just been doing like short stories, like blogs, sort of. And Mm -hmm. um, in June, I got a book contract. And here we are, you know, it it was, it was just amazing. It was just amazing, because it's, it's none of it is of me. I know that I am not, I am not a um, educated writer. I'm not a journalist. I didn't go to college. I got pregnant at 19. Right. I didn't, I didn't go to post-secondary education. This is a hundred God, zero tests, any of this. It is. It's just being willing to do what God says he wants you to do. If you know what that is, step out one step at a time. That's all I know is one step at a time. So I started writing. I sent a book. um, um, What do you call that? Oh yeah. Book proposal. See, I sent a book proposal. I got a book contract, you know, so the next step, the next step. So the book, um, my book, which is called Listen, Sister, show you Finding Hope in the Freak Show of Life. Um, came well, out that in- picture she's laying down. Is that grass or is that the green carpet? It's grass and it could be me because have you felt like that before? Well, because you talked about the green carpet. Yeah, so I know. That was the first <laughs> thing I thought of there. It's like, there you are praying in the green carpet. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It could be green carpet as well. It wasn't that nice of a color of green, but sure. <laughs> it was really <laughs> ugly, but yeah. And, and so the book came out in June, 2022. And um, so I've been doing all the book things, you know, to try to, to launch the book in sim bookstores and um, going out and speaking to groups of women and encouraging them about how to find hope in their freak show of life, whatever that looks like, like not all of them have eight boys at home, not all of them. Probably not very many of them, but everybody. No, but your life. But you might say that sometimes your life is a freak show. You know, like you're like everything seems like it's chaos, and you're in the middle of it, and in the darkness you can't see how there's hope. 
right? So I want yep. to encourage women that there's always hope and how to find it. So I've been having so much fun taking the stage and speaking to groups of women at churches and events and, and it's, and making them laugh. And if I can make you laugh till you pee your pants, my job here is done. That's all. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's been, it's been just really, really fun. I love laughing. I don't want to pee my pants, but no, I do I love laughing really hard till my stomach hurts. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> That'll be okay. Yeah. Oh, so how can people, um, connect with you? Yeah. So you can go to my uh, website, which is tessscott.com. That's easy, right? My name, tessscott.com. And there you can connect on, there's like a contact button at the top where you can send me an email and I can pray for you, or we can have a little chat in the, in, uh, by email. I'm on social media. So all the links are there on my website. The book is available everywhere books are sold. So if you're in the United States, it's at Barnes and Noble. I saw it at walmart.com, all those places. If you go to your bookstore and it's not available, you can get it online, but ask them to get it in and put it on the shelf. And we can encourage more and more women in Canada. It's also at Kohl's, um, Indigo. Um, yeah, all, it's at all the places, um, individual or not individual, sorry, independent, that's the word, independent bookstores um, in different cities, um, Christian bookstores, it's on christianbook.com. So yeah, yeah, it's really, it's going well. And it's so, so fun. I just, I just love encouraging women. And I feel like wherever I go, women say, you know what, that was me. I, I know what that felt like. You, you know what I felt like at that really bad day that I was just maybe not on their floor in their bedroom, but just feeling hopeless. And I want to encourage them that they can get through that. Yeah. There's nothing like that kind of connection where you feel like you're not alone and yes. it just, it breeds that hope within you. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, I'm very glad that you are doing that. People need the hope infused in them like that. Thank you for sharing your story with us today. Is there yes. anything that you would like to add before we call this a day? I just want to add that the most important way that I've found to remember how to find hope is to think of how you, how God got you through the past, right? Ah. So I journal, um, whatever you want to do, sometimes take pictures of things or however you have those memories. And then you can look back on them in the really hard times and remember like, man, God got me through then he's going to get me through now. There is hope. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you. Thank you. And thank you listeners for being with us today. Until next time, I love you. Thank you so much for listening to the Victorious Souls podcast. You matter and you are loved. We'd love to connect with you further. So please visit us at daniellebernock.com and grab a copy of Danielle's free audiobook. And remember, only you can change your life. No one can do it for you.